Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 3rd of February 2019. And what a week this has been with the weather where I am, Northern Ontario, where it's been giving us lots of snow this way. And at night too, it plummets like you wouldn't believe. Last week after the the, the Sunday talk, uh, coming at early Monday morning, about 3 in the morning I think it was, the thermometer read minus 48 Fahrenheit. And the temperature during the day never got up anywhere near above uh, the zero Fahrenheit. It was way below it, in fact, during the day. And that's what I've had a lot this winter, in fact. Many of the days during the day when it should be a bit warmer, it's actually below the, the, the zero mark on the Fahrenheit scale. So it's been a long winter already. It started snowing here in September, and it might snow up until April, for all I know, maybe even longer. And, and no doubt about it, to me, the winters are becoming longer and colder. I'm sure people are really going bust trying to pay for heating, etc., or else they're turning their thermostat so, so far down that they're trying to get by that way. Because people generally try not to talk about any kind of hardships they have. It's astonishing, really, isn't it, that people are afraid. They're afraid to to mention uh, how hard up they are at times to each other. Because in the system, it's almost a sign of shame. It's, a, it's an old tradition in the class system from Britain, I guess, in Europe, to mention that you might be hard up. And that's the unfortunate truth. that They find it hard to talk about like, how they're surviving. With things going up and up and up with inflation, because we're still paying massive debts now off because of the last bank bailouts in 2008 and nine. That's why the dollars have plummeted, especially in Canada too, because we got special drawing rights, remember, from the bailouts from the U.S. Federal Reserve. For those who didn't know that, Canada was bailed out and all the top banks were bailed out. They were given special drawing rights from the U.S. Federal Reserve on the condition that they have so many years to pay, pay it back with massive interest. And that's why the dollar is plummeting in Canada. It's a fantastic system, isn't it, where they're all so interlaced and interfaced, these, these banks across the planet, that you, you all get punished eventually. All the public get punished all the time, of course. That's what you're there for. You get plundered each time banks have overdone it, whatever they're, they're doing, with their lending and so on, and, and bad uh, bets, etc., and often, too, I think it's really planned that way. They, they know what they're going to do. They know they're going to get, get bailed out. And they, they go on a, a plunder spree, basically, until they collapse things. And then they, get, they plunder us again when they're given huge bailouts. It's quite something, isn't it? At least twice a century this happens. And it's normal <laughs> to be robbed twice a century, sometimes more, by the big banking systems. And when, when one country, for instance, overdoes it even more than others, and causes the, the, the starts off the spark of dominoes falling across the world. We end up going back to those same countries to to borrow money from them, because we we're all interfaced, as I say, and we're broke as well. Quite a quite a system, and you know they send people to university to learn this thing called economics, and that always ties me back to to Lord Rothschild, who said in the last century, or actually in the, in the 19th century, he said when he was asked about the system. Of, of money and debt and even the creation of, of money out of thin air basically through accounting methods etc he said that it would never change basically because apart from the fact we've got no, no choice in using it but he, but he also said that 
the ones who really understand it are those who take courses to learn what it's about and because they're going to benefit more than other people, the general public, off of this system uh, which they're working with, they're not likely to disclose it or, or condemn it. And it's so true, isn't it? It's very, very true. Most folk make money off of other folks' money as opposed to the ones who actually create the actual tangible goods that are sold, etc. It's the ones who push the pens, as they used to say, and now they just punch in digits in a computer that actually make the money off all the rest. And that's just the way it is, because no one's going to change it. Because when you're conquered, and you are conquered, we keep forgetting that after the, the, all the wars that were planned to take place, the, the, the Milner group, Lord Alfred Milner, they planned world wars to bring nations to their knees in order to, to, to bring their dream of a world governmental system into being and to do away with sovereignty. And the only way to do it, they thought, was to get world wars going. H.G. Wells was all for it. He was part of it, too. And he wrote about it, and he said, he said that out of the, the First World War, it was, he said, and it was called the Great War at the time, and it was a war to end all wars. <laughs> it's like he had a hand in helping create his slogans, in fact. Uh, it was a big con game. But the government threw all they had at, at, uh, into these wars, especially World War I, I think. Incredible, incredible casualties that they had. Uh, yes, we can't believe it in this day and age how countries could throw th- maybe 30,000 men away per day sometimes uh, on all sides uh, doing the same kind of thing and never stopping their tactics. Uh, it, 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 we can't, it boggles the mind. It does. And sure enough, all the countries involved had to borrow money initially from the US. They kept out of it until the last year. Because they had just created, in time for the World War, of course, the Federal Reserve System. It was set up just a nick of time, and through that monopoly of banks, which is the Federal Reserve, and, and, and etc., they lent to all the different countries with incredible interest rates, and actually got in, in the last year because they had to make sure now that they had to get the, the, the payments back in order to get paid back. <laughs> That's quite something, eh? But when you think about World War I, it was meant to end national sovereignty in the hope that people would be disgusted and uh, in shock, which they were, in fact, of the incredible casualties. I don't think anybody in Britain, for instance, didn't have somebody who, who was killed off in World War I. I really don't think. It'd be the same in France, too, I'm sure. And, and Germany. It was phenomenal. And often whole families were wiped out, in fact, in the men's lineages. So much so that when World War II came along, and H.G. Wells said it too, he says, they haven't given up their sovereignty. He says, we, we, we need another world war, he said, to, to bring them to their knees. Well, because Britain had been in perpetual war through the whole 1800s into the 1900s and on rationing through the 1900s and then the Great Depression came along again because of it too. You, you find that they couldn't even feed themselves for World War Two, and when the men were joining up and going off to war and farmers' sons and so on, they, they had inquiries into the, the lack of food and what they would do about it, because Britain at that time was important so much of their food even then, which is not a good idea if, if you're going to go and, and have a world war with submarines and dirt looking around and so on. But the thing is, 
they had to get commissions up. The government literally came in and took over farms to make sure in World War Two that they could produce in all, all bits of wasteland, whatever it was, and they would try and get things to grow. But many of the farms had the old man dying off, uh, the, the old grandpa and so on, who lost his sons in World War One, and he's too old to farm it now. And, and the government literally seized their farms because there were no one who was able to, to work them. And the government literally took them over and handed them to the, to the well, the guy in the proper clubs, put it that way, uh, to do the farming. And they kept them after the war. But you have no idea of the mayhem that's caused by these massive wars. And you'll never end up paying off the debt because it's not meant to be paid off. It's, it keeps you in slavery. It's designed that way. The compound interest is meant to, to keep a, a, a clique in charge of every nation. And that is understood. And they realized, and they said that too in their writings, uh, to the, the top clubs, you might say, that the power of money would, would do the job that armies at one time did. Uh, they could threaten countries. They could withdraw money and, and close down countries. They could starve people to death by withdrawing money or using embargoes like they do at the United Nations. That's all part of the same system that came in. And you have no idea uh, the power of money. We're all subject to the same con games where there's no point, even if you have money, to save up, uh, trying to save it up because the banks will constantly collapse every so often and bingo, that goes, there goes your money. And they won't give you any interest on it anymore. And they've trained you in no time at all since 2008. It's quite normal to get no interest back on, on any savings. Isn't it amazing how fast we adapt to their con games, eh? And at the same time, money it controls all nations because your governments are constantly borrowing too. And that's, the, that's how it's set up. Governments are meant nowadays, that's the normal, to borrow money on constantly and put the public down as the guarantors to pay it off. So we're basically slaves. And there's no point, really. People put money into retirement schemes of all kinds, uh, some to try to, to, to save money on taxes, etc. But if they pull out ahead of time, and they're fixed times, they're penalised, sometimes about half or 50% or even more, because they're naughty, naughty. Those companies, insurance companies, want your money, but they don't really want you to get it back. In fact, they hope you'll die before you can collect most of it. That's what pension schemes are about. It's phenomenal, but, as, but even, the, even the, in the con games they use, well, you know, you put so many dollars in every month and of your paychecks, and, and, and one day, yeah, you, you can, well, by the time you retire, for every dollar you put in today, right, in 20 years' time, 30 years' time, that dollar won't buy you a, a box of matches. It won't. You'll need about twenty dollars in twenty years, thirty years, maybe thirty dollars to, to buy a cup of coffee. With inflation, that's how it was designed. That's how folk back in nineteen thirties were living pretty well on ten bucks a week. Actually, very well, actually, on ten bucks a week back then. So it's a racket in a con game, and all those folk in the know at the top who are benefiting off it keep their mouth shut because they are benefiting off it too. It's very much like, I think it was Cretien in Canada who became Prime Minister, who immediately after being elected, if that's indeed well, whatever elections that really are in reality, it was a shoo-in, as they say. He had to go and see the, the head of or the Bank of Canada, the governor of the Bank of Canada. The Bank of Canada is not really a, a bank anymore. 
It's a negotiating place where a representative negotiates loans for the government from the, the, the lenders. And Cretin came out after an election from, from meeting with them. It's a, it's a ritual. You go to meet them to meet your new master. He, and the prime minister must go and meet his master. He was asked, so now you know all about economics and how, how the Bank of Canada works. He says, I, he says, I did not understand a thing. He says, he, the, the joke with Cretin is that he, he couldn't speak either French or, or, or English. He, because he, he put it on, it was, it was part of his act too. Yeah, and uh, he, says, he says, I didn't understand a thing, a big smell on his face. And uh, of course, the, the joke was that's why they picked him. But he knew perfectly well what was going on. And that awfully good documentary was done some years ago called Oh Canada, where the, the young fella goes around and talks to your ex prime ministers and politicians, trying to get straight answers from them on money and what it was. And never mind the confusion in most of their faces. It just shows you the racket. And it's meant to be a racket because money is the, is the ultimate form of control in our world. That's really what it is, utter, utter control. Uh, you, can, you can buy anybody off with it. Countries are brought down. By, in fact, you can buy generals in different countries for coups. There's nothing you can't do with it. So you can starve people to death. Even if they have products to sell or oil, like Iran, for instance, and other countries, when they get embargoes put on them and can't sell off their oil, they can't get money that way to buy other things. So this medium of exchange, as they call it, is a very, very important thing. And so those who control it all, and there's a clique, there's a World Bank member, private organization, uh, that supposedly is a lender of last resort to the whole planet's central banking systems. And they're all connected. It's one club, one club with the, with the, the, the IMF, uh, that they're the debt collectors in a sense. They come in and they'll manage your economy and your government until they claim the latest interest rate payments are paid back, not necessarily the debt itself. And they cut your health care and everything else when they're doing it. And that's just too bad, they say. That's how it is. And even Alan Greenspan himself, he's up on YouTube somewhere saying uh, that, uh, talking about the, the actual U.S. Federal Reserve, he says the government can't do anything about the Federal Reserve. It's a separate, completely separate institution. And what he was also inferring is that it was at a special status, very special status, different from other corporations. So we're living in a world of make-believe, but yeah, getting back to the wars and the world wars for the elimination of complete national sovereignty, and the same group that brought you the wars, and they did, they did bring you the wars, they, they, they boasted about it before these wars happened, and the necessity of having them, the world wars, to get everybody involved and bankrupt and how they'd all come together under global authority. And they hoped the League of Nations would be uh, the, the, the embryo for a world governmental system, and, and that morphed into the United Nations. It's not democratic. It was never intended to be democratic. And the Club of Rome, a big think tank for the global elite, who came up with the idea of using famine, global warming, desertification, drought, all that kind of stuff, it's a scare tactic. It says that would fit the bill. We'll blame humans. Humans are the, the enemy of, of survival, basically, for the world. And that would fit the bill, they said. Well, the Club of Rome said the same thing, that democracy is inadequate. It will not work. So the elite who use democracy because they want to have the mob on their side, and if you could belong to any group, I'm sorry, you're part of a mob. It's true. 
if you, you cannot go along and see yourself, well, you know, it's, it's better than, I know it's bad, but it's better than those guys over there. If that's the best you can do, you, you really deserve what you get. Honestly. Honestly. Because every mob is controlled by, by they, they call it the deep state. There's many names for the same thing. And if you get any members, and I've mentioned it before, how you can elect anybody in any country who belongs to a society, a secretive society, number one, and who belongs to, don't forget too, uh, that the Rhodes Foundation, and, and also the, which is part of the, the Round Table Society, and they're all part of, of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Dash Council on Foreign Relations. How can you elect people who are, have already sworn allegiance to a different system, a private club, you might say, with incredible power across the world? Uh, why would you elect any of their members in to represent you? Why would you do that? You know why you do it? Because people fall for basic, pithy little slogans. I feel your pain. That was Bill Clinton. And uh, other ones just declare they're going to give you pain, and they certainly do. But, but that's the, the reality of politics. It's slogans. You're, you get a packaged product, all wrapped up with public relations, big, big money, to sell it to the public, and you buy a myth, a phantom, basically. And the same, the same group are always there behind it anyway. So let's go back to World War One and... Read about Winston Churchill, who was Lord of the Admiralty at one time. And he came up with this plan, supposedly, of sending troops out to, to the Dardanelles, it's called, which would be a, a strategic point for, for the furthering of war across, which eventually the Middle East. But it would split Turkey, he thought, and, and a few other countries as well. Well, Britain took it over. That was the idea. And they pulled men from all over the battlefields of France and Belgium to do this. It's never been explained to the public. It never will be because there's other reasons behind it, obviously. They were looking towards the future for other reasons, and people wouldn't be happy if they knew the reasons. But nobody should be fighting in the First World War to begin with. It was a ridiculous affair. Absolutely ridiculous. And they were using methods used maybe in the 1700s, standing upright and marching into battle would have been fine before heavy-duty machine guns were, were invented. But they were invented for World War I. It literally took them many, many years to allow the, the, the troops to get down their bellies and at least crawl towards their targets but, and but give them a better chance of survival. But you you look at uh, the Dardanelle project by Churchill, it's his baby, supposedly. And he wanted to be really even more famous, go down the history books. That was always with him. It was an absolute disaster. Absolute incredible disaster. They used British troops and they used Australian and New Zealand troops. And the first day of, of the landing in the Dardanelles, it says that, that they lost 60,000 troops. I think 19 and a half, almost 20,000 were killed and the rest were wounded in all kinds of wounds and amputations and goodness knows what. That was normal. And that slaughter went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. 
until they eventually had to abandon the idea and pull out who was, the guys who were left us. It's weird. I mean, you get a, a feeling of who's who when it comes to people who want to go down in history books, like the, like Wellington and things like that, because they have a, a rather callous, psychopathic disregard uh, for human life. The whole point is to win. That's it. And they'll survive, because generally the, uh, the, the ones who, who are generals, etc., stand on the hilltops in old days and watch it from way down below with the battles going on. The same throughout the Napoleonic Wars, too. So they survive, and they hope to get into the history books, but the little peons down below are, getting, are slaughtering each other. It was really war by numbers. How many of you got left? And if you had more than the enemy, then you'd won at the end of the day. Uh, that was the whole uh, idea behind World War I across Europe as well. And that was accepted policy. Numbers were, they didn't care. Because the class system was so incredibly, incredibly all-pervasive all through their societies, it was just your duty to go off and get slaughtered without thinking too much about it. And if you did survive, you may get a little tin star, maybe a peg leg or something to go home with. That, that's the reality, that's the truth of all. And today we're shot by the numbers throughout the whole World War I campaign. It, it, you can't. You just can't picture it. Daily, multi thousands of people per day being slaughtered. We, we honestly can't picture that today. Today we'd be horrified. But back then, they had trained the public that it was their duty. Mind you, a lot of them didn't might have much to go back to in the first place. Honestly, but uh, that was uh, again. H. E. Wells said we need world wars to bring nations to their knees, and he worked for the Fabian Society, and the Fabian Society is part of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They run the right wing and the left wing. If there's any wings out there, they run it. They've got their leaders running it all. That's how it's done. To manage any change in the future and to get it happening, you must create the sides, and you must make sure your own people are there to, to guide them in their conflicts, to bring them to right conclusions. And you win. You, you, you can't lose that way. This real dialectical uh, technique. And today, with gender politics and all kinds of politics, uh, you've got lots of psychopaths getting coached, going in, because they, they, and they'll say all the right things for, for their particular following. And believe you me, if it was more lucrative to change their mind and go to the other side, they would do it. That's what psychopaths do. They change uh, parties very quickly in their own interest. Winston Churchill did that himself, actually. And Churchill, this, this great guy, who really, I mean, there's a long story behind the Churchill family, but he helped Lord Mountbatten during World War II with uh, a plan to raid Dieppe in France. And Mountbatten was to be given as, as his baby because he wasn't doing much, and he wanted to be in on the, you know, in the history books too. And so he, he got himself permission from Churchill, who, who helped to organize it too and plan it, to get Canadian troops trained up and ready to invade Dieppe as a test, many thousands of them as a test for invasion. And they had reconnaissance, aerial reconnaissance and so on, for days and weeks and so on. And they knew eventually that the Germans, because the Germans got wind of all, and they fortified uh, that uh, all, all along the coastline there. And 
they warned Churchill and uh, Mountbatten that, that it would be a mass slaughter because it was so well fortified now. They wouldn't listen. They went ahead anyway. And it's like, don't forget, Winston Churchill, to the day he died, had rooms full of toy soldiers and traditional battle lines for old wars and so on. This was his hobby. And he saw real people, the peons, the same way as his little soldiers. Honestly, that's, that's what it is. And Mountbatten was the same. So anyway, they, uh, they, they sent, I can't even remember how many thousands of soldiers to mass slaughter at Dieppe. And uh, absolute tragedy it was, because it all avoided no problem at all. And all the, the intelligence, and lots of intelligence, all was adamant that there would be mass slaughter because it was so heavily fortified. But they wouldn't listen. They wanted, to, they wanted to get their names in the history books again. What I'm trying to get at here isn't just to do with this kind of war. The people who run the world and have the big club at the top through the banking system, with the organizational system of, as you see, a, a kind of semi-secret societies based on the Jesuits, as uh, Cecil Rhodes said about uh, Cecil Rhodes Foundation and the Round Table Society. That's what he said. You can read it up yourself in his own, in his own will, alas, will and testament. You put all that in it too, to bring about a world governmental system, and they, and they merge with the Lord Alfred Milner Group, which became the Royal Institute for International Affairs Private Club and the branches across the world, especially in America, called the Council of Foreign Relations. Anyway, the whole point of it being semi-secretive, they didn't want the public to know of how they're really being governed. They would give you a, a, a fake reality of how you're being governed, and that's where your politics happens to be. And you, you do see it once in a while, when these so-called champions of democracy, they, they keep telling you about democracy, democracy. Well, they don't believe in democracy. And Margaret Thatcher said it's the same thing. When she left politics, she was brought in to be a technocrat at the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And she was open about it in a newspaper article. She said, I can now get things done across the world. I know the ex-politicians and heads of state and so on. I can get things done for the, for, for the big goal of the world. And that's, that's where the things were really done. Because they're not responsible to the general public. That she said that too. But again, as soon as they say that, people don't remember. They go right back to politics the general, for the general public. And it's all emotive stuff, and you fight for it and so on. And before you know it, it sounds like chaos. Because they've split society up into so many diverse little segments. Uh, and pushing victimhood everywhere. You know, if, if, you're, if you're not a victim of something, or you don't claim to be a victim of something, you might be the best victim of all, but you don't claim it. You've got no power at all in, in today's society Because that's what the front groups are all about Creating the victim societies And being once you claim you're a victim Then you can, you can do the unthinkable You can really project hate At whoever else is, is across the, the, the room from you And that's what it's about it's who can, Who's allowed to hate and who isn't That's really what modern society is about You're in a very delicate position And situation, I should say uh, and time, because it's planned that way. The chaos is all planned, and out of it will come the new order. Uh, the, the Club of Rome are well aware of that, because, as I say, they've, they've never, they, they speak on behalf of the elite, and they've never, they've always, they've got lots of articles out in their own books as well saying that democracy is just too slow, doesn't work, 
and you, you'll need exactly what the, what the, 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 the CFR, Relationship for International Affairs, the, the famous society have always said in socialism, that experts must run the world for the lives of every single individual. Expert, the expert class and scientific class must run the world on behalf of the dominant minority. So, so that it's all out in the open. And having said that, as soon as some politician opens their mouth to, 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 to read some uh, pre-prepared uh, script written by script writers in an emotive way, because written by marketers, and so, oh, the folk go crazy again. Forget you've just what you've just said to them. You forget the evidence. They can even go and look up for themselves. It's just too easy to tweak the motions, isn't it? And when people are running on emotions, they don't listen to common sense. And they're blind to, to reality. Uh, and it's like a bull and a red rage, as they say, with anger. That's what emotion's meant to do. But it's, it's just too easy now with so many uh, university students of all, all, all different kinds groomed for positions as leaders for different, all kinds of groupings and, and, and splinter groups, <laughs> off splinter groups, to, to make sure that everybody's catered for, so that no, no people can ever, ever get together collectively to fight anything. It's not rather wonderful. But people think it's all coincidence. The art of ruling people is very ancient, and it's never been lost. It's simply been added to the knowledge and the techniques, etc., have been added to. Machiavelli was awfully good in his day, but Machiavelli literally is a boy scout compared to, to these days and times we live in. Everyone is monitored to the nth degree, and the goal has always been lifelong monitoring from birth to death. Not just monitoring, but managing from birth to death. We forget that, don't we? As we, we play ourselves, we'll go and play on the internet, and people do. And they, they give all their data out and, and, and as soon as the, their friends get back to them Or whatever it is uh, they've, they've forgotten all the warnings or the caution And they'll click anything eh? Permission for this, permission for that Click, 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 click And they've clicked their lives away And their future away They don't even know it Privacy was fought for By revolutions in the past By the people, by the peasants in different countries, because not so long ago, not so long ago, the peasants had no rights at all. Forget all the dramas and the fiction you've read or seen in plays uh, about the 1800s. For most folk, it was a horror show in the 1800s in Europe, and, and Britain especially. It was called the poor man of Europe, I mean, because of the way it treated its people. The class system was so embedded there was no help for anybody. In fact, the only help that people would get occasionally if they were starving was from the churches. And that's a dirty word today, isn't it? You've been taught to hate them. You find that the class system showed you what the elite are like. And they're still the same today. They're better. They're prepared. They have, they have lessons to prepare them on how to present themselves to, 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 be, uh, to appear in public. The same people with the same views and opinions because their reality has never altered. They've just made sure the experts trained your reality to perceive everything differently, to believe in democracy and to believe you're living in a fair society. But at the top, they never ever have, have thought that way at all. We adapt so quickly to everything. We adapt to the fact that everyone gets, is getting cancers. As it was a normal thing. We adapt to the fact that 
food is produced by five main big agribusinesses, a monopoly, a cartel, with uh, the chemical industry uh, completely involved with them. And it's the same chemical industry that, was part of the, that is part of the military-industrial complex, remember. It gives all the different weed killers and pesticides for the genetically modified crops that are all patented. When the food is patented, do you understand the power that these companies have over the planet? It's bad enough when you're all dependent on this strange authorized banking system that tolerates no other banks before it, you might say, because it's their system, and to be part of their system, you have to be selected and, and thoroughly vetted, etc., to worship them and never break ranks with them. It's the same with the food industry and everything else today. So they feed you all this stuff. They train you that everything's normal. And we do adapt. As I say, look how quickly folk think it's normal that you put money in the bank and you you won't get a penny back if you're lucky. You might break even, but uh, at the moment you're not getting taxed extra. But if you have anything in the bank at all, they get nothing back. Now, the money you've had in the bank, think of millions and millions of people with, with deposits in the bank. That's being lent out daily by the banks. They don't listen to sit there. They're making incredible interest of it. And they're also sending it across the planet for loans uh, with very high interest rates, especially to, to very dodgy customers and so on. People that they're using the money from, they get nothing back at all. And we're taught now, since 2008, about last bank crash is normal. That's quite normal, that. So we adapt quickly, don't we? But we adapt very quickly, too, to, to, as I say to you, the food. The same thing. So you get a monopoly of money power across the planet. They can crash nations if, if they want to. And you've, you've got the, the food industry run by, a, really, a cartel. And don't forget that one company, uh, if you're in a grocery store and you see all the different brands of tin, whatever, one company might own all of those brands. Dozens and dozens of them. That's quite legitimate. And that's often what you're actually seeing. And when you look at what's in it, it's this heavy pesticide-ridden stuff, laden stuff. And you're eating it, and you wonder why your cells start to change. And it's been known for a lot, well, almost for about 60 years now, that cancers, different cancers are caused by different things. Radiation is one, naturally. But chemical changes... Can, can make it happen too. And, and when you have persistent chemicals coming into your body that shouldn't be there, then that can certainly cause cellular changes. Uh, viruses can cause them too. We know that too. And in fact, the war industry created a lot of stuff from viruses to do with long... If they ever had long, long-term wars, it would take generations. Uh, they've got all kinds of weapons, in there, including viruses, that they could work down generations and kill and sterilize the coming generations of a potential enemy. You have no idea what goes on, but we're fed this stuff. Now, remember that the big boys, through many front people, which whom they made famous naturally, and some who were already famous because some of them literally belong in this managed system, like the Huxleys, Thomas Huxley and the offspring, uh, they, they actually proclaim that they are part of the scientific management elite. And I think it was uh, Julian Huxley mentioned that. So they're, they're already it's sort of intergenerational managers, basically. And that was their job as certain branches of science, including social sciences. And they all talked about the, the, the big problem of overpopulation. Now, the countries that they, that they were talking about, uh, 
at that time were presumed to be so-called third world countries. Oh, there's too many of them. Look at them. Oh, my goodness, there's too many. But in actual fact, they were talking about a world society. That's why they really started their depopulation in their home countries. Because they were just as terrified of the peasants in Britain if they weren't mowed down by machine gun fire every few years, uh, rising up and overthrowing them. That, that's what that frightened them. And when communism got on the go, that frightened them all the more, the, the prospect of that too. So they were rather blatant, as I say, that their whole goal was always a world governmental system to be dominated. No point just going after the one, a country here or there, get the whole, get the whole, get them all involved. And then you get your world governmental system with your world manager system and class and scientific class and academic class running the show and social work departments, etc., etc. Then you would train people from birth to be good citizens, which means obedient do what you're told and don't ask questions and so on. But they also wanted sterilization for a lot. Don't forget, it's the same guys who brought you eugenics. They'd always believed in eugenics. And there's way too much to go into, but the fact is, they got their World War I, they got their World War II, and they kept saying, see, see, we told you so, you can't go on like this. They helped bring it about, but we told you so. Are you ready to give up your sovereignty? Ishii Wells even said after the second one, he actually made statements to the press, we need another war. They still haven't given up their sovereignty. So he said that after World War I, and he said the same thing after World War II. But he made it quite plain that the goal was always a world governmental system. Part of the planning techniques he put into some of his other books as well, like A Modern Utopia, including sterilization of the unfit and the unwanted and, and the unnecessary, basically. See, that's what the whole thing, you're unnecessary. And with progress, 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 more and more of you become unnecessary. And farming back then, don't forget farming back then, they kept saying, and the United Nations said it too when they came in, but they said it, they only copied what they said long before that it's too important to be left to farmers. And if you want to control people, and you, even if you had a good slice of the market, you controlled a good chunk of the market, and could control the food supply, and even withdraw the food supply. If there's any independent ones out there at all, the peasantry could ground them and maybe get some food for themselves. The whole point is total control. Then they can't get food anywhere. That's what they want to bring you to. Don't forget that Canada, quite a few years back now, passed a law to make it illegal for Canadians to, who have furnaces, you know, forced air, furnaces, oil-based, made it illegal for them to, to purchase oil to heat themselves in the winter without a governmental, uh, government-improved inspection. That means they can come in every year at your home, and if you don't like this or that or whatever, you have to buy a new this and a new that and yada yada yada. And systems that were perfectly fine and weren't fine for generations suddenly are obsolete and you need new tanks every so many years at 2,000 bucks a piece to hold the oil, etc. They always make sure that their own businesses make a fortune out of the control they put on top of you. But to, to, to basically forbid folk without this license, get a license to heat yourself. You understand what it's all about when you global warming and global cooling and all the rest of it? Do you understand what it's all about? And, and then food control, that's coming down the pike now too. I hope you do understand what it's all about. As I say, the ones who, who created the world wars and who helped foment the action 
against country against country, and who profited mightily up to the present day off those wars because you're still paying interest of them. They're still in charge today, and they see you as the same peons that uh, ended up in Gallipoli or wherever, wherever the wars they had, or in the Western Front in Europe and France. They see you exactly the same way. They're not as arrogant in public as they used to be, because they've been groomed and given basic training on how to act. But, oh, they're still the same, still the same. And they'll tell you, when you meet them and you have little chats with them, they're quite open about it. There's too many of the peasants, you know, the people. They're just, too, they're just no, we don't need them anymore. Yada, yada, yada. They're taking all our, our resources up. They, you know, we, we, we can't survive as a species down the road. and Meaning they can't survive as a species down the road, if you're all surviving too. Quite blatant about it. But they give you the fronts, which is, oh, to save the world, we're going to take all the rights off you. To save the world, you've got to stop heating yourselves, because it's causing carbon. Oh, we can't have that. Better freeze to death, eh? For the good of the planet. You understand the, the incredible behavioural psychology that's rammed down our throats from everywhere you look, even the movies and children's books for children that make sure that's all embedded in it. And the teachers are getting paid big money to be change agents to indoctrinate the children into these kind of citizens. This is a war technique. In a war, everything's flat out and no expenses spared because they're boring money like crazy and you're only paid back anyway. It's the same thing but with, with this big agenda. It's a war agenda. Oh, global warming is the, 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 the thing they, they settled on. And even though we're freezing to death in the winter, they won't change their tactics. There's too many of you breathing, too many of them. If half of you would just die tomorrow, we might get down by 2% or whatever. Yada, yada, yada. It's all to do with taking over control and having you acquiesce to give control for your very existence to these characters who are just about total socialistic control of your lives. And your thoughts, by the way. They, won't, they aren't stopping at what you eat or how you heat yourself or, or including what you, what you think. It was all planned a long time ago. Bertrand Russell said it, and he was a big planner for this agency. In fact, he helped design, as I said before, a lot of the culture that has changed since 1940s to the present and still some of it to come, he helped design it with the Macy Group and the other groups he was author- He actually, they've actually published all the organizations he was authorized to work with. And he was rather blatant about it. Lord Bertrand Russell, right? Quite something. Now, in, in the, one of the books he wrote was called The Impact of Science on Society. Uh, I used to read parts of his books years ago on the air to show you how old this agenda is. And it ties in with your food today and your vaccination, all this kind of stuff. It ties in, folks, ties in, ties in. The Impact of Science on Society, page 50, he says, 50 laid it down that education should aim at destroying free will so that after pupils have left school, they shall be incapable throughout the rest of their lives of thinking or acting otherwise than as their schoolmasters would have wished. But in his day, this was an unattainable ideal. What he regarded as the best system in existence produced Karl Marx. In the future, such failures are not likely to occur where there is dictatorship. He's talking about the, the, the need for dictatorship, you see. Diet, injections, such as vaccinations, and injunctions 
will combine from a very early age to produce the sort of character and the sort of beliefs that the authorities consider desirable. And any serious criticism of the powers that will become uh, psychologically impossible. So you wouldn't be able to criticize anything at all. Even if all are miserable, all will believe themselves happy because the government would tell them that they are so. A totalitarian government with a scientific bent might do things that to us would seem horrifying. The Nazis were more scientific than the present rulers of Russia and were more inclined towards the sort of atrocities that I have in mind. They were said, I do not know with what truth, to use prisoners in concentration camps as material for all kinds of experiments, some involving death after much pain. If they'd survived, they would probably have uh, soon taken to scientific breeding. Any nation which adopted this practice will, within a generation, secure great military advantages. The system, one may surmise, will be something like this, except possibly in a governing aristocracy. All but 5% of males and 30% of females will be sterilized. The 30% of females will be expected to spend the years from 18 to 40 in reproduction in order to secure adequate cannon fodder. As a rule, artificial insemination will be preferred to the natural method. Now, so much of what he's saying here is exactly where all your tax money's been going for the last 40, 50 years. Hasn't it? Think about it. So, he's on about 50, talking about his what he mentioned, but that even that was inadequate, you said. So diet injections and injunctions will combine from a very early age to produce a sort of character and the sort of beliefs that the authorities consider desirable. And then a serious criticism of the powers that will become, will become psychologically impossible. Now, that ties in with all the articles, even some today, I'll, I'll put some links up, to, the, to how, how the system they brought in, the electronic system, of communication. And don't forget, communication is something that they always have worried about from the, the dawn of time and governing classes. If the peasants start to communicate, then you have to nip it in the bud in case they end up uh, having re- rebellions or whatever. Or have incredible spy agencies to collect all the data on who's saying what. but And, and to punish those who are saying certain things, always. And today, they've made it, with, with giving you about 25 years or more of the computer, making it indispensable for all kinds of business and so on. They're already censoring people from saying certain things now, eh? quite openly. That's not by, it's the same agenda here. It's the same agenda. And Russell himself talked about using credits stashed, given out by the state uh, for pay, basically. Like a, a basic income for everyone. Deposit in your accounts. And if you were disrespectful of the system or the governing system or whatever, or complain about anything, they would simply withdraw your, your ability to withdraw your credits every month. So you couldn't pay your rent or buy your food or anything until you, until you down your knees and apologize and paid your penalty, etc. Well, we're here, folks. You've got the exact same system where you're taken off the air or you can't communicate to people electronically. For X amount of time, like a penalty, like a prison penalty. This, this is a new justice system. If you haven't quite caught on to it, folks, and it's judge, jury, and executioner 
all combined in one. You have no say in anything. It reminds me so much of what's often laughed at because you go into the old the old religious discourses they had about what would even revelation be all about and so on. And it is a fascinating topic because it has such great imagery. And of course the old languages, not the old stories, were fantastic for imagery and mental imagery. But you also find that the statements like in the Bible, for instance, that out of your own mouths are you condemned. So if someone's twittering and tweeting all over the place, and you're seeing that, and bang, they're getting pulled off this and pulled off for that, because of something they said. Judge, jury, executioner. So all this stuff I'm talking about was, was planned long before I was born, and before most of you were born too, I'm sure. So yeah, he, he tells you what, what they would do. He's not fantasizing here. He, he's, he's saying his version of it, and many of his compatriots, we're giving the same versions of it and the same big think tanks, etc., of the day belong to the same organizations. Don't forget that Russell himself belonged to MI5 during World War II. And he and George Orwell, in fact, Blair, worked together sometimes even at the BBC and outside the BBC in different think tanks as well. And they also worked with Kessler, Kessler that, that came out with Darkness at Noon and Far Left, almost communistic, I suppose and a few other books as well, well known for it. So they all worked together, and they used Call of Communists, by the way, for MI5, uh, during the war for propaganda purposes. And Russell, from insiders who, who wrote about their experiences there, they actually mentioned that Russell was your typical psychopath too, very arrogant and completely self-confident about himself. And because he, 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 was, a, he was very pushy and arrogant and strong uh, to women's eyes, he would have affairs. He's always go after the women and try to seduce them. It's simply to, to peeve off their husbands, to prove he was stronger. And he, he, he did it with uh, Arthur Kessler. He kept uh, hitting on Kessler's wife at these meetings. But, but that's the kind of character he, he, he was. He was an arrogant psychopath employed by the powers that be, and part of the powers that be, to plan the future. And we're living through a lot of it today, and it's coming out exactly, exactly as he forecasted. He, was, he wasn't looking at a crystal ball. He knew it was going to happen because they had planned it all. They'd planned it. H.G. Wells talked about the world brain, instant communication of all data across the planet. Hmm? But it doesn't matter. People will forget this. As soon as you get the next quote from some politicians, folk will forget all about it, you know. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> they will. They go, oh, did you hear what so-and-so said? Well, they're ready to kill each other again. And all the real stuff is just ignored. So if you wonder what all the, all the big push now for trying to get all genders to, to produce babies, uh, I remember one in Australia that they tried it with a guy to create an artificial womb years ago. And I kept saying, well, what on earth are they trying this for? Well, they try to create ways of creating artificial wombs, just like Brave New World. Where do you think all that came from? From the 1930s, for goodness sake. And... You, you get all the articles today with the same things going on of this incredible rush to produce children outside of the female womb. And that's where Russell ended that little bit there was um, insemination, artificial insemination, will be preferred to the natural method. We're simply living through a big agenda, an old agenda, and reality is far different than the one that they've indoctrinated into us through school and through what you're given is documentaries and so on about reality and the cutting edge, etc. They're way, way ahead of always.
and you would give them a completely different version. That's why folk across Europe are wondering, they can't figure out why their countries are sinking and sinking, and the politicians bring more and more people in, who, and you've got to support them all, and, and you're not making anything anymore. Do you really think they're this stupid? Do you really think that? Do you? Hmm? Your nations are not what you think they are, and the politicians and your governments are not what you think they are either. No, I have to rush, I guess. Uh, I always prattle off before I even read the articles. I don't really like even reading articles except occasionally to tie them in with them, prattle on about. And I don't plan these things. I've been busy all week shoveling snow most of the week and trying to stop the, the roof from falling in because the weight was incredible of snow. It kept building up about a foot every other day on top of the previous snow. And then uh, if you get ice settling in there, it's going to be awfully heavy, then snow again. And uh, it's, it's pretty nasty. Plus, I've got over a hundred foot of driveway to, to shovel to. Anyway, that's what I've been doing all week. And I had no idea what I'd talk about tonight. So anyway, I'm going to put up a few links regardless. They might tie in with what I've been talking about. Polar Vortex, again, too, it's such a joke. I'm telling you, when this winter is over, it'll be one of the longest winters, I'm sure, in, in my history, by the time it's finished, and the coldest. They'll tell us in, in April or May or even June, they'll tell us, they'll tell us the, the experts will tell us, right? It, it was the warmest winter in history. We, we wait and see. Because it's an agenda. It's not a new reality. One of the coldest spells in history. We just have it across the Midwest where real tracks were satellite. That's, that was probably on people's television. I didn't see it because I don't have television. But they actually heat the tracks up to try to get the, the ice off them. And then you have MIT climate scientist Dr. Richard Lindzen. Global warming consensus was determined before the research even begun. Uh, that's old stuff too to me because the Club of Rome came out with it and says they were given the, the, the agenda to, to get an agenda to, for reasons to take over control of the planet and resources and everything else. And they said they hit upon the idea of global warming, famine, Drought and the like, that would fit the bill, and a man therefore would be the, the enemy of sustainability. And then another one too, the Club of Rome, the ones who came up with that idea, because they were given a, you had to find some way, they even, even considered UFOs at one point, anything at all to bring the world together, a very old idea. Some presidents mentioned it, some prime ministers in Canada mentioned it too, uh, that uh, if it were only invaded by people from a different planet, we'd all come together, and then they'd have the global government, you see. But of course, it's much better to get the weather. It wouldn't fall for the UFO invasion stuff. So the Club of Rome Climate Emergency Plan, I'll put that up too for those who care about it. Now back to control, food, and and all the rest of it. Food in the, the Anthropocene. This is the EAT Lancet Commission. The Lancet, and that's the British Medical Journal. This is the Lancet Commission on Healthy Diets from the Sustainable Food Systems. They've now got committees together to try, because everything in an expert-controlled society has to have divisions, you see, of different sciences. So now you've got the doctors involved, what you're going to eat, and uh, what you'll be allowed to eat down in the future. And you will, you will be monitored. They've already turned out the machinery to monitor you like crazy on what you're eating and buying and so on. And you will be controlled. They mean it when they build a totalitarian system. Doctors demand total control of global food distribution to solve obesity, hunger, and climate change, even though we're getting obese because they're not getting the proper nutrients as well. We know that as well. Plus, they've got all the bisphenols of all kinds of things from the pesticides, and it's affecting uh, genetically. Of course it is. 
Another one, two, a family was watched through Nest security cameras, for those who don't quite know what's going on, with all their wonderful security systems. And how there's nothing out there that cannot be hacked and is hacked. And you'll find, even from the Vault 7, I think, that WikiLeaks came out with, and what you saw what the CIA could use and Emma and all the rest of the big boys, and how they could hack your car and make it go off the road and so on, you know? I remember, too, a few years back when there were, with new accelerator pedals and cars, there were certain cars were getting locked on. Their, their accelerator would just go down by itself and stay there because they don't have the cable anymore. It's all electronic uh, positioning. But uh, I w- I'll bet you anything, that's my, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they were testing. And unknowns to the drivers, huh? We're constantly being studied as they test these different things out in the public. But anyway, there's people again using their own home security systems being hacked like crazy. And there's been a lot of money on these security systems. It's phenomenal. Another one, too, is a 10-year challenge of boon to Facebook's facial recognition technology. This is an incredible, big, incredible intelligence agency, isn't it, running Facebook? It always was from the beginning those give you the, uh, the front people who they claim, uh, they get, make you believe in the mythology. But these are, these are all planned long before they even pick the person to front them. It says the, the 10-year challenge was, was all fun and memes until last week after a tweet moved thousands of people to worry. Are we unknowingly helping giant corporations to, to improve their algorithms for biometric identification and age progression? Of course you are. And they mentioned in it too, again, Facebook was part of it. Find your family history, get your get your DNA tested, and all these, and the idiots send it all off. You know, I mean, you can't help most folk. You know, it's true. You really can't. You can't. And I'll put these links up. And then Toyota to introduce Amazon Alexa in its vehicles, and then Toyota to give Guardian safety. I guess what they call it, Guardian safety to help humans. To help humans, you see. It's all to help. Everything's to do is to help you. Hope you understand. Monitoring you too is to help you. Again, getting back to what Russell was saying, all these things fall right into what Russell was saying. <laughs> Food uh, and, uh, and so on. And then into YouTube making changes to its recommendations algorithm, which serves up new videos to users to watch in an effort to crack down on the spread of conspiracy theories on its platform. So there you go. There's another article too. Some guy made some kind of like or dislike comment, I think it was, on a joke he'd seen. And he ticked it off, I guess, liked it. And he got a visit from the police who said he better start, be careful about what he's saying or thinking. Thought police, eh? it's all here for. I said this twenty years ago. I said to you, I said be twenty a twenty year um, span you would get for the computer, as they as they made sure that everybody would get onto it until they'd been ins- indispensable, and then they start taking away the freebies and that, and and, then, and eventually by the time you caught onto it, it's all about, uh, you wouldn't be able to give it up anyway. So I'll put these these links up, and then another one too is uh, cannabis use and risk of prescription opioid. Use disorder in the United States. For those who think it's all fun and games, some good articles actually, because it's not the old, this isn't the old cannabis. It's way, it's been 20 odd times, maybe 25 times more potent than the old stuff from 1970s. uh, And it's got lots of documentation from from the medical authorities and studies. And of course, all that will get brushed under the the carpet because of the incredible profits that people are going to get. Plus, it's going to keep everybody drugged, eh? drugs, injections, and Injunctions, etc. And diets, of course. 
also um, <laughs> now that we're on a roll to uh, depopulate fast now, we're going to speed up now. Uh, Catholics want New York's government Cuomo to be excommunicated for his abortion policy because now they can they can uh, they kill a baby up until it's actually emerging. I think to last day. So uh, aren't we really humane? Aren't, aren't, isn't this progress? His life is completely dehumanized until we're, well, you know, we'd holler and scream if we did that to animals. But isn't it amazing we've been trained to abhor ourselves by our masters? New York abortion bill alarming in every sense, it says. And it's got a bunch of other U.S. states that are jumping on the bandwagon very quickly. It's all prearranged, naturally, and you're seeing the effects of it now. And Vermont introduces radical bill to protect the fundamental right to unlimited abortions. Uh, this goes on and on, really. But it doesn't surprise me at all. It really doesn't. And I read this article, too. It says six Tanzanian children killed for body parts. Uh, and that's reading other stuff, too, about uh, abortions. And they sell the abortion parts off, you know. Across the world, you don't even want to go where a lot of it goes to make people young and so on. You don't want to even go there. But then when I read this article in Tanzania, it says six children in southwestern Tanzania have been killed and had their ears and teeth removed, authorities say. Some of the boys, the children aged between two and nine years old, were also missing limbs. This is all about superstitious beliefs, and many believe that they will get help from witchcraft. Nyombe District Commissioner Ruth Masfiri said, Police have detained one suspect close relative of the children who were from the same family. Ten children in all have gone missing in Nyumbe since the beginning of December and four have been found alive. Correspondents say that uh, some witch doctors in the region tell people that human body parts are special properties that can bring them wealth and luck. Now, this is from the BBC. We're talking about, but reported this. Now, I was reading the other stuff too and I thought about the abortion parts. And the money that the surgeons are making off this and abortionists and so on, and selling these parts across the world for all kinds of, we call it Western witchcraft, which is longevity products, etc. What on earth is the difference, folks? Hmm? Really? Really, really, really. So, due for more bad weather this weekend, too, so I'll get on with it and get out there and start shoveling again. It's not all gloom and doom, naturally. But it's for those who can handle it, who can handle the bad news without cracking up. I think, I know from the folk who get in touch with me, it has a good effect across the planet on lots of people. And at least a lot of folk understand the system much, much clearly and better and don't fall into the traps that's laid out for them. And you wouldn't believe the massive bureaucracy and the sciences involved and conditioning us all to be dumb, stupid, immature for our entire lives, and to believe everything that we're told from government departments. It's incredible. And Russell said it too, remember, that everybody in the world will believe, no matter what country they live in, that they live in the best country in the world, and with the best health care, and the best this, and the best that, simply because their government will keep telling them so. And isn't that the way of it? For myself, Alan Watchman, here in Canada, it's good night. And may your God, or your gods, go with you. <laughs>